sitting down with Marthel Onyx was a, a really enlightening experience. He he has really guided his whole family through faith, and uh, you're going to learn so much from him uh, about how to how to be entrepreneurial and have an entrepreneurial mindset with your family, uh, how to do so. Uh, but not lose your family and keep your family through that process. I hope you I hope you get a lot out of it. I certainly did. And if you're if you're into building your brand as a family or building your brand as an individual, there's something you could definitely learn out of this episode of Disruption. Now, of course, as always, we are powered by Disrupt Art, and um, I hope you enjoy this. If you believe we can change the narrative, if you believe we can change our communities, if you believe we can change the outcomes, then we can change the world. I'm Rob Richardson. Welcome to Disruption Now. Welcome to Disruption Now. I'm your host and moderator, Rob Richardson. With me is Marthel Onyx with the Onyx brand, I'm going to call it. Just so many brands under 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 under, under your empire. Right. I would say you have over 7 million YouTube subscribers collectively between all of the brands and about 4 billion streaming views. Woo! That's a lot of views. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. a humble. I'm very humbled. Uh, that you're on our podcast and really excited to learn more about what you're doing and really learn from what you've done. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's really, it's really impressive looking at what you built as a family, how you were able to build that out and how you're working together, not only what you've built out, but the fact that you're working together as a family unit to kind of do. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on the show. It is a privilege for us uh, to be on the number one Christian broadcast. (laughs) All right. So we are, we are, um, we're people of faith and family. And so this is an honor for us to, to be speaking with you. Oh, well, so are we, you're in the right, you're in the right, you're, we got the right company here. So let's, let's talk about your entry into starting a YouTube show for your family. That's a lot, right? You it's, it's, it requires a whole lot of time. And in some ways it requires your family to kind of balance out between being just your family and being right. this public personality. Right. Walk me through how this started and, and, and how you got to this point. Well, um, I'm an ordained minister okay. and, um, and a marriage and family therapist. Um, marriage and family therapist came a little bit after, but it was necessary because if you, anybody knows what a pastor does, most of his stuff is working with the sheep and, um, and families in particular. And so I felt I needed to be more comparable um, to be able to do that. So I went and got my master's in science and marriage and family therapy and, um, and then began to just, that was always my passion. Anyhow, I've always been the family guy. So if I'm on the rostrum and I'm preaching, I'm always preaching about the, from the angle of family, um, well, one of the greatest institutions that God has put on this earth. So, um, so that was, that was who I was prior. I had a, you know, my, my practice and I was also in the church. My wife um, she was uh, she became a nurse practitioner, so she was in school uh, during some of the time that I was in ministry, and she became a nurse practitioner. And um, and then there there came up a, a particular point in our journey together, where um, she got an offer to become um, to start a practice with some doctors. We were in Canada. I'm from Toronto, and we were in Canada at the time. And so she got this offer to start her own medical company. She had been with me for like 17 years in ministry, followed me, you know, through um, the ups and downs of, of the ministry. And so it, it was time. Let's just put it that way. It was time for me to support her. Right. And so I left ministry. I left my practice and I went to support her and we moved to Florida. 
in this particular area that they felt was going to be lucrative. And uh, because she was the only American, because she's from L.A. Um, and the rest of them were Canadian, they realized a few things that were happening within the business that they didn't they didn't see coming. And one of them was that they could not sit on um, the highest position as president or CEO. Um, America has it that there has to be an American sitting on that position and then you can, you know, fill the other positions. So she ended up becoming the president of the company. (laughs) Um, She was going to be a senior executive anyhow, but she ended up being at the top and, um, and she got a certain amount of shares and all that kind of stuff. But as she went, as she was going within the year, there was other loopholes that she had to get around that were, that were not things that she didn't realize was going to happen, some obstacles. And so uh, she ended up coming to me and she said, you know, hon, um, I hate to say this to you, but this is a lot harder than I had expected. There's a whole bunch of barriers that are coming up. And so I'm looking into doing something different um, because I don't know if I'm going to want to continue down this path. I was disappointed, but, you know, you know, as, as, as time progressed, she started to look into different things. She's always been an entrepreneur. So I'm not here. You know, if you want the business, business side of it, yeah. like her algorithm stuff, that's her. You know right. what I'm saying? She's a, she's a brains. So she started studying um, YouTube and she was like, wow, people are making money off of this thing. And, um, and I think that, you know, this is an opportunity for you to be able to, to have a second chance because I had left ministry and yeah. at that point in time, I didn't know what I was going to do at that point in time either. Right. And so, um, and that's how it kind of started. And um, within a month of us, well, we launched in like November, 2015, but not a real launch. We kind of got into it and we failed miserably. If you want to call it failure, I, it's not really failure, but right. 50 cents for the month is, you know, some people would say that's yeah. failure. <laughs> so, so we got 50 cents and then she started studying it. And when she started studying it, she realized, okay, no, we need to do this. We need to do that. We need to do that. Um, so we'll talk then, about that because that, people, part of what we're talking about is developing your brand. It sounds like, oh, okay. I know, yeah, right. And developing your brand as a family. And I know your wife sounds like the chief operator and you're kind of the person that's the presenter. It sounds like in the, in right. The, right. Well, Which is good. You need both. You need both. I, you need the visionary <laughs> and the implementer. Right. And, absolutely. So I, I, Frankly, I, I understand it now, but she was the one that was doing right. it. So what she did was uh, she started studying the algorithm and she started to look at the trends and she started realizing that there's a connection between the algorithms and the trends. Started looking at keyword optimizations and, and search, uh, looked into search engines to see which keywords were critical in order to get your, your brand or your video into the algorithm. And so when she started saying that, she came back and we relaunched and we launched as a kid's channel and we began to do like, um, there was a trend that was going on back then, which was getting into like, you know, um, getting into costumes, it required costumes and things like that. And so we got into that. And so we got our costumes and we did our thing. That was the trend at the time. And um, Frankly, to tell you the truth, I wanted to do ministry. I want to just jump yeah. right in and just want to. You're kind of like me, like you're helping me. This is something because I do a lot and I stick to this. But it's like at the at the end of the day, you also have to make sure people are paying attention and it's following. Follow. We won't say following the trends. It's understand because you didn't follow the trends. You just set your own path, but you understood 
where the trends were going and use that to basically hook people into the content. That's how I see it. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to get right into ministry. I wanted to get into the serious parts about, you know, the black family and get into, you know, things where, um, you know, we need to be there in this particular way or that particular way. We need to be the face and, you know, all these, all these things that, um, my understanding from a marriage and family background and just understanding politically where we are as a country, as a nation, yes. where the family is, where society is. I want to get into the meat. The, the, and my wife said, no. She's she right. said, no. She said, you got to entertain. You got to speak the language of the people. You got to, you got to uh, speak the, the conversation, have the conversations that they want to have. And so, she, so we started to do trends. Yeah. Um, and that's why we became uh, the superhero family before we even came the Onyx family. You know, <laughs> we were we were doing what was trendy at the time. Yeah. Um, and, and her her idea was this is, is that if you if you give them what they want at first, then what will happen is on the back end, you will be able to say anything you want to say because you'll have the numbers, you'll have the audience, you'll have everything and you can do anything. And that's where we are today. Yeah. We are able to say and do anything that we want to do. Drop mic. I mean, it's 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 about it's about going, giving the consumers what you want and then giving them back what you feel that they need. But you first have to give them what they want, what they want. You have to I speak mean, their language. Absolutely. Yeah. You help me like just this conversation right here is like, OK, this is an adjustment we need to make in really how we go about the YouTube and, right. and how we go about branding. Um, so we, super- we teach branding now. And one of the things that we should. teach, one of the things that we teach is we teach always entertain first. I don't care what you are. You could be a dentist. Dentists come to us. People come to us uh, with a gardening, gardening, um, you know, landscaping, whatever your business is, it doesn't matter. Entertain first. It's, it's, it's incredible how the human nature is, but we don't like chaos. We don't like um, catastrophes. We don't like, um, you know, wars. We don't, of course we don't. We don't, we yeah, don't like these yeah. things. So what we do is we like to laugh and we like to um, be distracted. So there's nothing like a good ball game during a war. You know, there's nothing like, uh, True. <laughs> you know, things go up when, when, when money goes down and people are struggling financially and economically, no better time than to laugh because yeah. you know what? And to drink, to drink, to laugh, to eat, you know what I'm saying? And so what ends up happening is, and we know great people in, in history, you know, very wise people, empires and emperors have come up with games like the card game and different things like that as a way to take their people who are going through struggles, take their minds off of the fact that you're living on a hill and you're living down down here and you're yeah. struggling and you're and you have to pay me taxes as the emperor. So here, here's a card game and let's get them playing cards. You know, what I mean? <laughs> whatever great, works, whatever works. And so it's the same concept entertain people if whatever your business is, I don't care what it is, Right. entertain them, do a funny skit about it. Yeah. Um, nobody does it better than people like Dave Chappelle or Chris. Well, he's Mock. the best, isn't he? Absolutely. Dave, I mean, Dave Chappelle as another moment, just Dave Chappelle is really, really, really good at taking serious content, but then making it funny. Like, I don't know how anybody could have made like the death of George Floyd entertaining in some way or police brutality engage it in some way profound it's i mean it is profound because i'm like i don't know how you do that this man just was able to bring all of that together and still make it funny and you're like how did did he do that like 
So how, how do you do that? Like, how, how do you, that feels like magic to me. Right. And, and that's the thing. It's like, it, it, to me, he's a preacher, uh, but I know he's not a Christian, but he's a preacher to me because yeah. he takes the most serious things and he's able to speak to it. And we listen, even if we don't agree with him, we are able to take it. It's like a pill that you're taking. Um, you put it down with a little juice or whatever. It, like he, he makes it palatable. Yeah. And, and so, and so that's what we do. So our mission statement is tell the story feed the soul, make them laugh, heal the heart. That is Onyx oh, Family's mission story. It's, it's entertaining first. And this is, I think there was some struggle with me. Um, um, Marthel is like, okay, do I entertain first? Do I inform first? Like, do I, uh, do you lose your brand if you do this? And, and but, the, but you can't have a brand if people aren't there, right? You cannot right. be a famous secret. So like, you got to get people there. So you can call it, you can do a great blend of edutainment where yeah. you're entertaining and educating at the same time. Um, that's, that, that is a great strategy to do that. And some people, what they're dealing with is so serious or they don't know how to, to just entertain. So yes. edu edutainment is fine. It's a blending of both educating and entertaining with probably a little bit more leaning into the ed, ed, edu, um, education side. Education. Of yeah. My friend calls it infotainment, but yes, there you go. Right. There you go. And so, uh, so that's what we did. And so, um, one of the, th one of the things that we are disrupting, if we're going to, you know, use yeah, the let's language of what you're disrupting, we needed to disrupt the market in the media where black faces are not seen and our stories are told, but they're told in only a certain way. And so what ends up happening is the entire world sees the black family or sees a black man or sees a black woman or sees a black narrative only in a very narrow way. Yep. That when you walk in China, they automatically assume that you're a rapper or they're automatically assume that you're a criminal or, you know, of whatever nature. It yeah, doesn't rapper, matter where you go. Rapper, athlete, entertainer. There you go. That's it. That's it. And that your uh, families are full of just single mothers. Um, yep. The fathers um, have kids all over the place. So there is a narrative that is being told. And so it's not like we are not represented or underrepresented. In fact, we are probably very much represented, but we're just represented in a very narrow way yeah we're overrepresented with the stereotypes and underrepresented on the truth there you go um and so i don't think that our family is unique there are i i know too many families that are just exactly like our family so we are actually representing a big slice of who african-american families are yeah. um that has a father that has a mother that has children that you know that have their education or that are entrepreneurs or that you know that are law-abiding citizens you know that love their country you know whatever um this this narrative is just simply not told no it's um, not and it's been prof it's been a very profitable narrative to just focus on the most the, the worst examples the stereotypes of our culture without actually having a full comprehensive scope because again i mean part of it goes to what you said it's not that that's what's been used to entertain that's what people have found entertaining entertaining what i love about you is that not only are you changing the narrative you're using the that you're using that algorithm and turning it on its head right you're using right. the algorithm as entertainment and turning it on its head to say look this is who we are this is a more complete picture of right. who we are, not just what you get in entertainment. So I think what you're doing is revolutionary. Right. I definitely want to come to the family table at some point. Let me put it out there. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I want to come to the family table sometime. Second season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll have to I have to be there for that. Um, so how do you keep everybody grounded? This is a lot, right? This is 
in principle, you've done it. You've done, not in principle. You've done a great job. How right. do you keep your kids grounded throughout this process where they, they certainly have a certain level of celebrity and, and now you want to make sure, of course, they're grounded in, in, in the principles of Christianity and, and, and the family values. How do you balance that out with, with them being celebrities? Because I, I would think that would be one of the biggest challenges. Well, you know, it's, it's really hard to build a home um, after the foundation is set and to restructure it. You'd have to break up the foundation and start over. And so I would say that um, while it is possible, um, we were blessed and fortunate to set the foundation right. And so before they were superstars, they were just humble, you know, pastor's family. I was a pastor. My wife was first lady in a very small church in, in, in Ontario, Canada. Um, membership was probably maybe 250. That's where I began. And, right. um, and I've, I've pastored other churches where there's been a thousand and plus, but, but where I really began like for my own senior as a senior minister um it was in a small country type church and um and we would go to we'd go to prayer meetings on wednesday night you know and and interesting story i remember and we homeschooled we homeschooled our entire life we really believe oh, in wow. so when i say homeschooling a lot of people think I, I think everybody needs to be homeschooled first and foremost okay um uh, every every family but I don't mean homeschooling in the traditional sense where people think like you keep your kids away from the school system. Now, that's what we did. We, we, we homeschooled them in the home. But when I say everybody needs to homeschool, what I'm saying is, is, is that you as a parent are responsible for your children's education and raising them. So even if you send them to school, which is fine, um, you're responsible for what they learn. You're responsible for their values. You're responsible for teaching them how to live and then ultimately launching them. And the school system does not launch your children. They don't set them up for autonomy. They don't set them up for, for life. You're responsible for that. And so each family needs to homeschool. A few things I can break down with that statement. People like to blame the public school system. And there are issues with the public school system. Right. But ultimately, it is your responsibility to empower and educate your family. Schools are never going to do that. They weren't even designed, designed to do that. Schools were designed to basically make workers in factories from that point of view, right? An old model that needs to change. That's neither kind here of there. Kind <laughs> of looks like the prison system, too, if you look at it. I mean, kind of, right? The yard, the yard where you go out to play, you know, you have to sit in, you know, you're you, you have to move from this class to that class. You're told constantly what you yep. have to do next. You know, yep. the, the, the lunchroom looks just like the chow, you know, yep. where you go and slap the food. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the bell rings and, you know, time to move, time to move. Everybody yep. move in the same direction. You know, when you stop and look at the school system, it really designs our children to be able to, um, to be good workers. To be good but it workers. doesn't design them to be intelligent, free thinkers, Yep. And to be entrepreneurs. So you have to learn the same thing. And they, the learning style is systematically designed, you know, for a certain type of thinker. Yes. And so if your child is sitting there, you have some geniuses yeah. inside your classroom that will never reach your potential. And it's when they drop out of school. And I'm not right. suggesting that you need to do that. That's when they thrive. And that's where we have the millionaires and that's where we have great leaders. And that's where we yeah. have huge corporations. You know, they came from people that were not successful in that prison system. No, there's no, there's no question about that. It's, it's, 
a very monolithic way of teaching, of learning. And, and I will make this very clear for my kids because sometimes I, I say the same things that you're saying. And we, we have this debate with my wife at home and everything. I'm like, yes, I'm, <laughs> I, I, school is important in terms of learning Absolutely. how to learn. Get that. Sure. But they're not going to teach you how to think like an entrepreneur. Uh, you can't depend on them to do that because the system was not designed for that. The system was designed to make you be a worker, to put you in debt, right. and, to, and, and to make you, oh, so yeah. you can, yes, so you can contribute <laughs> to the system and make yes. other people wealthy. Like that's really what they teach you when they teach you how to go about saving. They don't teach you normally about investing. They teach you to oh. go about having a job. They don't teach you about what it means to be an entrepreneur. Conformity. You, yes, conformity. They don't teach you how to leverage your money. Yep. Uh, and, and 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 they don't teach you that saving your money and just putting it in the bank is actually losing money because of inflation. Yep. So like these are things you don't. And then the bank takes your money and then your bank invests it where you should be investing it. Yep. So when you go to the bank now, especially in these days where they limit how many you, you can take out, you go to the bank and you say, hey, can I have um, can I take out my 100,000? And they're like, no, I'm sorry, we can only give you 30. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. You know, I need 100,000 out of my money. No, right. we can only give you 30 because what we're doing is we have this invested in this and this and this, but don't worry, come back tomorrow, make an appointment. If you want that kind of money, you come back. Like, Wait a second. I want my money. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. But my money is being invested. So, so no bank accounts is, is not it. You know, um, it doesn't teach you your children about taxes. Um, it doesn't teach them about full history. Let's keep no, going with it. I mean, it doesn't, te- you got to no, teach your kids and take time with your kids to inform them because otherwise, you know, uh, the most powerful, the only thing we have the ability to control is our thoughts, actually. Right. Nothing else. That's you right. really don't have the ability to control anything else. So, and me, my, and me and my wife, we were in our PhD programs. Like we literally, and then we were like, wait, wait, hold on a second. Why are we going to go into this PhD program? You know, we both have masters. I have two, she has one. So we're educated people. Like, you know, but the thing about it is, is that we realized, wait, why are we going to get a next degree when we have all this debt? Why are we going to have another degree why don't we use the knowledge that we just had? So we're not anti-education because we're very educated. We are just, we just understand the system. Yeah. And so that's why we're able to even help people who are educated, take the education that they got and now leverage it to find how they can use it in a way that will work best for them. Because we, we're both, we're both, we respect both worlds. Which you have to, right? And there is like, you gotta have, if everybody was, an entrepreneur, no one would be a worker. So the, and there's, you need both, right? You need both. But I think everybody needs to have an entrepreneurial mindset, even if you're not, even if you're not an entrepreneur, like how do you make sure that you have other sources of income? How do you leverage what you have, the knowledge you have beyond just where you work? And how do you leverage and leverage the income you have now? So you're not always dependent on one source of income. That's really the part I tell everybody doesn't have to be an entrepreneur. Everybody needs to be entrepreneurial in their thinking and how they apply things and never assume that uh, a company is going to be there to take care of you because those days are long gone and done. They're not coming back. I mean, when we went through the pandemic, I think that's when we realized, but see, before we didn't think it was a life and death situation. We kind of thought it was, you know, it's like, you know, I don't mind living at this level if I do well with my money. But then we realized it was a life and death situation when policies started going into place and your boss could basically tell you, like, I have a relative, is, the person is a lawyer um, and, and works for the government. Um, I'm not going to share much about the person because sure. I, I want to hold their integrity. But a Chinese corporation, this is a lawyer that works for our government. A Chinese corporation 
was in charge of their testing and it was in charge of, you're a district attorney here, okay? Like, and is in charge of that. And when that person refused to give all their information to this Chinese company, because what the Chinese company was taking all the information. I don't know how our government would outsource that to, uh, to a foreign entity, right. but they were going to give, they had to give all their information. And this person just said, well, I don't feel comfortable with that. I don't, I don't mind following the rules and doing this and that, but a vast majority of the workers in that institution said, I don't feel comfortable with that. And now their jobs are on the line. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's wild. All right, People me... had to go to work. People had to go to work or, you know, or to make decisions or not make decisions. And their life was on the line. Basically, like you've got to go to work. You don't, you don't have a choice not to or whatever. So things happen here that reminds us that this is a life and death situation. But if you were the boss, you could have shaped policies that would have been more that would have helped probably more in, in, in this situation. Yep. All right. So what's the best advice you've received and what's the worst? That's advice that I've received. Um, I, I think that the making sure that you are trying to own as much as possible your yourself, brand yourself, branding yourself. Um, I think that God has given us each one a giftedness inside of ourselves. And so I think that learning how to discover what God has placed inside of you and then, and then branding that, finding a way to monetize it, finding a way to let it become attractable to others so that others can get to know who you truly are. I think what happens is, is that most of us are told kind of what we should do or what we should be. You know, we're looking at other people and we're saying, maybe I should be that because that looks lucrative. And I think we're missing the opportunity when we are not following our, the path that was designed for us. That's not the easy way, but if it's following the path that's designed for us. And then, and then learning money, money skills on how to monetize it. Yeah. Those are two things that if you can do that, um, and if you teach your children that, that will be great. So I was doing an interview with Matthew McConaughey over his book and um, the, the Green Lights. Um, yeah, we Green Lights is a great book. Yeah, we were helping promote that. And um, yeah, we thought it was fascinating too. There was a concept that he had in there that I resonate with. And the concept is, is this thing where it's like, Many people consider themselves almost like they're the arrow, um, an arrow and a target. And, and so when they see themselves as an arrow and their life is an arrow, they're constantly looking at ways like, I got to hit the target. If I don't hit this target, if I don't get this test, if I don't, if I don't get this job, if I don't get yeah. this, if I miss the mark, then that's it. I missed the mark. You right. know what I'm saying? But Matthew switched it and he said, I'm more the target. See, opportunities come to me. I let, yeah. I, I am like a magnet. My wife prefers magnet because she's like, we're black. We can't be targeted. We <laughs> yeah, yeah magnet like, might be better. So we're the magnet, not the target. Yeah, I'm with your wife. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but, but I get what Matthew's saying. He gets yes. his target um, because the target means that opportunities are coming to you. You're drawing opportunities to you. And that's what our God-given gifts do. When we align our God-given gifts with our purpose, we become targets or we become magnets where we don't have to shoot our shot. Yeah. Shots get shot to us. So Shots let me give you an example. You. Um, when, when, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, the Dr. Fauci. Yeah. People see us doing an interview with Dr. Fauci at the height of the pandemic. Dr. Fauci called us. We didn't call Dr. Fauci. Wow. Dr. Fauci saw us working in our element. His team called us and said, we need to work with this family because yeah. we need to make sure that we are connecting with the black community. 
Um, then Biden and Kamala's team, they're, they're having, a, you know, there's a tumultuous time in our country, yeah. culturally and in everything. They called us to, to rock the vote. Then they invited us to the inauguration. And we were part of the awesome. inauguration with Kiki Palmer. They called that's, us. That's pretty they awesome. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So these are examples that I'm saying. And where did it start? You asked me, how did that happen? Laying the foundation. So here I am at church, um, taking my children to prayer meeting. They're the only kids at prayer meeting. You know, a, a few other parishioners had their kids, but they were consistently with me because my wife is at work and I have to bring them. So they're at prayer meeting. I'm homeschooling them primarily because my wife is either at school or working. So I, I have a flexible schedule being a pastor. Right. So I'm taking them to church and I'm feeling like I am messing up, y'all. I'm feeling like I, you know, I failed grade 11 math like 11 times, you know. So I'm thinking, what, what hope does my children have with it? <laughs> I am the primary educator. You know what I'm saying? So I'm praying to God. I'm just asking God, you know, lead in this situation, Lord God, because I don't know. And when you're in a situation where you're not at the mountaintop experience, you don't see the future yet. So you no. need your faith. You need the eyes of faith, the faith that is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. So I'm sitting in my car now, coming back. I'm ordering them pizza. We're coming back. You know, I'll put on SpongeBob or I'll put on a cartoon that they like. And, you know, they'll be in the back and la, 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 la. Fast forward now to that future that you had not seen. That, that, yeah. that time where the Bible promises us that the faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now we fast forward. My children are sitting around the writing table with the director of SpongeBob movie, the president of Nickelodeon. Wow. Okay. Wow. Their favorite shows and their favorite actors, they're now operating in that circle. Uh, right now, there is, a, there is a sitcom that is in the works. I don't know if we're going to get it, but I'll, I'll put it out there in faith with major stars that it. they used to Let's watch. Let's claim it. Let's claim it. I'm not going to say who it is, but I'll You don't have it. to. We're major just going to claim it together. Yes. Oh, it's coming. Major All right. But do you see what I'm saying? So we have our own cartoon bought out by Amazon two seasons with the director of the SpongeBob movie, Wild Thornberries. These are the things that I used to put on coming back from prayer meeting, crying out to God. He makes you the target so that they come to you. Yeah, the opportunities come to you. You don't have to shoot your shot. You take us to when, church. That's when you honor. That's when you're honoring the God-given gifts. So you're not telling your children, you have to go to school. You have to do it this way. We give our children the option. So they got accepted into their school of choice. You give them the option. You train them. You educate them. So I did good enough so that they were able to do their SATs and their ACTs. Yeah. They get into their school of choice. But then they turn around and they say, dad, we're, we're so successful. We don't want to go to school. We want to do this. And when they followed that path that was non-traditional, that's when they ended up sitting at tables with leaders. We sat at the table. There was a woman named Doreen Spicer, who is um, the, one of the producers of uh, The Proud Family. The, the, you know, I mean... You, you, you're, you're now inspiring me to make sure I start working and doing this with my kids now, too, because you're, you're on a roll, man. You're on a roll. I love it. I love so, it. I love so it. we're sitting in high positions, sitting with but high people. Can I ask you a question, though? Let yeah, me go. Let's, yeah. I want to go back to those okay. moments when you had to have the faith, right? The, the moments when you're seeing this and whatever it is, it's like it's not there. It's, it's, it's there. You're, you're, you're maybe manifesting it. Yes. But then there are and I'm sure this is true for you as it is for me. It didn't go the path that maybe you thought it would go. 
and you had some moments where it wasn't linear and, yeah, and you had yeah. some obstacles. Absolutely. How did you keep your faith and persistence in that moment when what's in front of you is not only not what you see now, but it looks the exact opposite. It's being met with barriers and obstacles. How yeah. do you train your mind for those situations to make sure you do keep your faith and move forward? I, I, <laughs> it's when, it's when re religion ceases to be religion and it, and it becomes relationship. See, as a pastor, your world is so much religion that you get caught up with doctrines and theology and your training. So I could preach about faith, but when you, when the rubber hits the road, can I live faith? Like how I preach it? Like I can hoop and holler faith, but can I, <laughs> but can I live it? you know, as much as I preach it. So this, so, so God has a funny way of training us. So when I left, I didn't tell the full story. When I left, I didn't want to leave ministry and I didn't want to leave what I had because I was, I, I reached a level of success at the end of the day. And I wanted to hold on to that. But my wife, she had a restless spirit because she had not found her thing. And so she wanted to leave. And to be honest with you, the conversations that we had were almost arguments. And when I left, I did not leave with full support. I left with resentment. I left with anger. Um, and so I, just to be transparent with your audience yeah. and with you, yeah. this is the real deal because you asked me a question, how did it? It went through, I went through the fire. I went there, I was a Canadian citizen. My wife was American, so I couldn't even work. So I'm sitting down and I can't even work now. I can't even contribute to the bills. And then can you imagine how- That's it very hard for a man to, Oof. Yeah, I don't, care, I, 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 I don't care what anybody says in this day and age. I know we're, everything is everything is yeah. like equal across the board. People still look at men differently, even if they are at home taking care of kids. It's just it's, it's I was a breadwinner. Yeah, I was a breadwinner. I always yeah. had the consistent that, yeah. job. So so at that. So here is I have to let go of this thing. And I and here's the secret. I knew that my wife was not going to do it. I knew she wasn't because, and the reason why is because I knew that she didn't want to be in the medical field. She was, she's very intelligent, so she could do so many things, but I knew that she didn't like it because the whole time she'd been working in the medical field to some degree. And when you're a nurse practitioner, there was times where she was actually the primary physician of a hospital. There was a hospital closing down. She didn't know it, but they hired her. The doctor gave all her patients over to my wife. So my wife was running the hospital at that particular point in time, but they were just phasing out the hospital and she didn't know it. So she's, wow. she's operating on, she's dealing with patients, but without all the tools that she needs because the hospital is, can't even afford the, 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 the equipment that she needs to work with. Right. So she's operated on every level and I've seen her do it and she's really good at what she does, but she doesn't like it. So I knew she was going to quit. And I told her before she left, you're going to quit. And then I'm not going to have ministry and I'm not going to have, my, my practice anymore. And I'm going to be sitting there and I can't work. And she said, nope, nope, it's not going to happen. <laughs> and I said, honey, I know, but I'm going to support you, whatever the case may be. It, the time came. And when the time came, I was actually, when she told me she was going to quit, I actually was less upset because I already knew. Right. So I was ready to go. And she was so surprised when she was, when she said, Hey, let's do YouTube and let's do this. I was ready to go. Cause I had right. already prepared myself. That's also when you guys are able to come from that too, because that's a lot. I mean, people end up splitting from stuff like that. Oh, but the thing about it is, is, is that I went through this tough, tough time where I lost it all. 
I was in my early 40s. I lost it all. I had nothing. And then in one month, in one month, we went, when she started, when we launched our, 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 our thing, we got $27,000 in the very first month. Immediate success. After she studied and realized $27,000 hit our bank account. I was like, whoa. I was like, hun, you want to quit? Hey, go ahead. <laughs> you know, go ahead. The following month, we got $125,000. The following month, we got $175,000. And then it just, I mean, we, we've made millions ever since. Like, it's never stopped. Like, it's That's just, awesome. That just going awesome. on and on. And so it's just like, so when I saw God do that miracle, and then the miracle of taking me um, and my family so that I will now be able to be a representation because mission to me matters far more than money. Like the money is there, yeah. but the mission is everything for me because I already know that this money is God. Like, like at the end of the day, this money is going to be God. Like look at, look at Steve Jobs, look at all the great men. The, the one thing that they think about on their deathbed is, is what did I do with my family? How did I spend my time? That's what, because their money is going to be gone. Yeah. So I tell people, I, t- I teach short-term goals, the importance of short-term goals, the importance of long-term goals, which is like 10 years from now, 20 years from now, where do you see yourself? But then I go further and I say, where do you see yourself a million years from now? And I conceive it. Even if you don't believe in God, okay, you say I'm dead and I'm buried. That's still going to be a teachable moment because you're going to now say, okay, well, if I'm dead and gone, what can I leave behind? I can leave a legacy. Yeah. I can leave an imprint on the world. You know, even if you don't think you're going to heaven, that's fine. Like, you got to think eternal, long-term. What are you leaving? And for, and for me, our mission is important because there's too many kids of color that is, does not see representation of themselves, do not see accurate representation of themselves. And I, be, I believe in beholding you become change. So I don't need to preach. We don't preach. We don't preach anything except for we make them laugh. We tell the story, make them laugh, heal the heart. That's what we do. Why? Because by beholding you become changed. They will get our spirit. They will get our positivity. They will see us just like we saw the Cosby show. And we will feel like I can become a doctor. I can become a lawyer because I see Yes. Yes. Barack Obama doesn't have to do one thing for black people. He just has to sit in that position and he already accomplished what he needed to accomplish. Yep. Because I can become the president. That's exactly right. Uh, Brown. Now she is sitting on the highest courts. She doesn't have to do a ruling that I agree with. From this point on, our daughters know they yeah. can sit on the highest court. By beholding, we become change. So we can shift our culture. We can shift the trauma that we've experienced through slavery. We can shift the trauma that we've experienced through drugs infiltrated in, in our homes. We can shift the trauma that we experienced as a family has broken up by beholding and seeing that it's possible for us to change the narrative. There you go. That's a good way. That's a that's a great way to great way to really end it. Uh, but I got one final question, and then sure. I, I do want to talk to you about a way I do think that we can work with you guys on. I'll get to that after kind of offline. Sure. Uh, what's a what is a theme a Google ad that stands for what you stand for or the Onyx kind of brand? What is that theme? What is that saying, and why? Uh, a Google ad. It could be a Google ad. It can be a, it could just be a, uh, a billboard that has a saying, whatever you're saying is, what is that saying? Why? Um, well, when, when I talked about it shifted from religion to relationship, yes, 
the core thing that keeps me going that made me not give up is that I am loved eternally. We are all loved eternally. We are all valuable eternally. Like, like literally any boss that you're going to get a, a job from any boss that you're going to, any opportunity that you want, you have to understand that there is a power that has a invested interest in you. That is the most powerful invested interest and the most deep invested interest. The greatest thing to know is that you are loved eternally. Yeah. And that is what drives me. So that when I reach rock bottom, when I reach rock bottom, I look at that rock bottom and I say, wow, what a firm foundation that I am loved from. What do I learn from this? What have I done wrong? Where have I gone wrong? What have I not listened to? What, what lessons can I learn? That why the love that brought me here, brought me here for a reason. I am chastised for a reason. How can I learn from this? And then I know that I have a plan for you. The plan that is, that is for you in your life is to, for you to prosper. The plan that is for you in your life is, is, is a good plan. And it may not feel good what you're going through. Or it may not feel where you're going, but it, it, it's, it's exactly what you need and it's exactly what the world needs. So some people, it looks like a tragedy, but that tragedy is needed in the grander scheme of life. So if there was a billboard, it would say, that billboard would say, we each are loved perfectly, eternally. Marcel Onyx, pleasure having you on. Please come on again, man. All right, man. Take care. Thank you for having me.